The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, what's going on, brother? Ah, you know, never a dull moment, always something going on. Well, uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit here about uh, the event that just took place uh, on Sunday, uh, the Day of Reckoning. But let's first uh, start with the uh, big announcement uh, this uh, past week of the Full Tilt Wrestling Collective that's going to be hitting Las Vegas uh, Memorial Day weekend for uh, AEW weekend. Uh, as well uh and uh man what a what a collective it is uh black label uh pro uh you got um uh was it pro wrestling revolver and gcw along with fsw what is uh the plan so far and um do you have an idea of when tickets might start going on sale for the fans to get yeah, every 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 company is going to do their own individual tickets. So the we're still planning on a Thursday and some Sunday event. So we haven't figured that out. But uh, FSW versus Revolver, it's going to be the it's going to be Mecca versus Revolver is going to be the first big event Friday, uh, the Friday night at seven thirty p.m. So obviously. Revolvers run and owned by Sammy Callahan, uh, who's hoping he'll be ready to go by then. You know, he's been doing wow. some rehab and stuff, and he's been out a while, and he's feeling a lot better. Uh, he told me he got the boot off a couple weeks ago, and he's been in rehab. So, you know, he's talking some big names to, to be coming out. You know, we're looking at some monster matchups. And then Black Label Pro, they have, uh, you know, built an extremely strong following in the Midwest. Uh, they'll be doing an 11 p.m. show Friday night. Wow. So that's set up. And then on Saturday, we're going to kick things off. It's going to be a long day. Uh, Saturday at 11 a.m., Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer will be hosting a Q&A from like 11 to 12. And, you know, then our, then our pal Ed in San Antonio, uh, he's going to be running a women's show from 12 o'clock to about two-ish. You know, he'll be going in that range. And then Revolver is going to run their own show at 4 p.m. on the Saturday night. And then the, the main event is going to be the GCW show at 8 p.m. on the Saturday night. And this, these events are all going to be held at the Silver Nugget. So plenty of room, plenty of people. You know, maybe Callahan can get us Moxley and we can do Cross versus Moxley again. But, 
you know, that's just me wishing, you know, obviously. And then uh, during SummerSlam weekend, they ran the event on uh, Sunday at like 5 p.m. for the pay-per-view. I guess doors opened at 4. And at noon, we did FSW versus GCW. And we had a shit ton of fans there. So right now we're still putting together. I still got to see, you know, Booker T was interested. He's been busy. You know, he's got WrestleMania week. I saw they canceled their shows there. So instead of waiting, you know, I'm going to see about doing something. Uh, Sunday afternoon at 12, we will definitely be a part of. And then because AEW is in Wednesday for Dynamite, we're probably going to do a Thursday evening show. Probably nothing crazy, but, you know, we're going to make it, you know, with the best talent that we can on the show because, you know, people want to come and watch a great show. You know, they don't want to watch, you know, 18 guys that they've never heard of. So, you know, we, we got to produce, you know, we're in with some big guns out there. You know, FSW, it, it, it's our home turf, man. So we want to we want to stand our ground. We want to stand tough. And we want after that event for people to be, you know, talking about us in the same breath that they're talking about the other companies. Do you uh, know if after your events, uh, SummerSlam weekend with GCW, being that it was such a high profile event, you know if that translated for you in uh, either people subscribing to the FSW network or, um, you know, more uh, pay-per-view buys um, in this past six months since uh, SummerSlam? Well, it, it's it's hard to say, but the most pay-per-views we had ever had was uh, FSW versus GCW, which you got to believe with the card that we had on there, there had to be some purchases from GCW fans. Right. So the fact of the matter, it wasn't by much, but FSW Mecca 7, I think we're at 7, uh, that was the most pay-per-views buys that we had ever done. So, you know, we eclipsed our anniversary weekend and no escapes and the past Meccas and even natural born killers. So I'm thinking a lot of people looked at the card. They saw a cross returning, Jacob Fatu, you know, Davey Richards, even though he didn't make it, but he was supposed to be there. Hammerstone cage, TJP, you know, we kind of loaded it up. Scarlet, uh, so the vibes out there, people are interested. The network's tough because it's up and down. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, I get the list from Ben and I see stuff and, you know, somebody buys it for three months and then they kind of, they're off for another two or three or four and then they come back again. And, you know, I, I also think that has a lot to do with the network shows uh, the live streaming events. Cause to me, that's the main sell like day of reckoning on Sunday in all purposes should have been a fight TV pay-per-view, right. but with the new, you know, the new lady I had to deal with at, at silver nugget, it took a little bit more time to now try to get everything set up for stuff that by the time we did, it was a little too late for us to do day of reckoning there. So we did it at the FSW arena and you're like, you know what? Let's just give it away on the network. 
And, you know, I haven't looked to see, uh, you know, like I just click a button and check, but I am interested to see if some new, new faces and new people signed up uh, just to watch the event. You know, they would have to pay 15 bucks on Fight TV. They paid $7 and they got to watch, you know, anything they wanted to see on FSW, you know, going back to, you know, the Brian Cages and the LA Knights and the, and Cepha and Cross and, you know, Kevin Nash and Jeff, I mean, Matt Hardy, never had Jeff yet, you know, we'd love to, but, and we, we've been fortunate enough to have some huge names that have come through the pike, even our IWF shows that basically featured, you know, Austin Aries and Ricochet and Lance Hoyt and Chris Sabin and John Morrison and, you know, Shelton Benjamin. And if you look at that roster, Shane Strickland, Trevor Lee, the Young Bucks, you know, everybody on that show. And I mean, everybody on that show is basically a guy that is was either in Ring of Honor, Impact, WWE, or uh, AEW. So, you know, you can even catch some Jungle Boy matches, you know, <laughs> on the network. So, you know, if yeah. you want to see some great stuff, now you just bought the pay-per-view for $8 less than you normally would, and you got the entire month. So, yeah. It's a it's a good uh, it's a good way to go back and, and catch the FSW catalog and see some of your favorites. Um, when you think about putting together, uh, you know, uh, something like this with the collective, um, obviously this is the biggest one essentially you've done. Um, is it hard getting on the same page with? other promoters or in this day and age is it just so lucrative uh in terms of having that semblance of a collective that it makes things a little bit easier to negotiate and to talk to say uh you know unlike let's say five or or, or ten years ago well yeah but you know we we get along and we know Sammy Callahan real well. And we've worked with them together and through impact on numerous occasions. So that was easy. Uh, black label. I, I, I barely know the owner. I know in the past we had talked because uh, initially he ended up using the Tom Lawler and then was trying to get Stefan Bonner booked. So we chatted a little, but we hadn't talked in a few years, but black label does a lot of work with GCW. So, actually, Brett and GCW, he's the guy who kind of brought Black Label into the fold. So, doing their own shows, you know, I just got to monitor stuff, you know, make the collections. They're going to do their own thing. You know what I mean? So, we're doing the joint show with Revolver. Uh, Sammy is going to be a lot more hands-on for that show than Brett was with GCW. You know what I mean? We, we sat and we put together what the matches were going to be, but I kind of ran everything. Uh, Revolver, it's going to be totally different. You know, Sammy's going to have hands-on everything. So we're going to really collaborate on, you know, putting together the best matchups and, and you know, 
what superstars that we're going to see, you know, that are going to match. And it, same thing on the Revolver show. You know, he's going to bring in a bunch of guys, but he wants to use some of the, the best of the best, you know, FSW talent, which now hopefully gives a guy like Remy Marcel or Cody or Funny Bone, you know, the, the guys who've been with us forever, you know, it gives them a platform to be seen on a more national basis because, you know, Sammy, a lot of his guys that he worked with and trained uh, work for impact wrestling. So, and he's got a lot of friends in the business, you know, he got John Moxley to work his show. So obviously they go way back. You know, we've talked with guys like Davey Richards, Adam Brooks, you know, guys that we had used in the past. Adam Brooks is going to be uh, in Seattle uh, the weekend before. So, strangely enough, we had him booked for the last Mecca event, but he was in Australia, and I guess he had to get back or whatever it was. And surprisingly enough, uh, two years later, I still have the credit from Southwest Airlines. You know, wow. it ain't a ton of money, but it, it's uh, – if he was coming from Orlando, the pl- the prices are crazy. But now that he's coming in from Seattle, the prices are way less. So having him around for a couple of days and even Sammy's like, oh, Adam Brooks, I'll use that dude. Because talent is talent, you know. It's, it's a lot harder with the craziness of the prices that are going on, you know, on the flights. So if we can use, you know – the Vegas talent, TJP, Jeff Cobb, Willie Mack, Chris Bay, you know, mixed in with everybody. Uh, we're, you know, we're in good shape. And, you know, speaking of uh, that type of thing where you're, you're looking at, you know, the outside talent or, or local talent uh, who might have, uh, you know, bigger names. Is there ever been someone that you found working with uh, in either a situation of a Mecca or bringing into, you know, an FSW show that was um, a little more difficult to uh, kind of, you know, pin down and get to come in or even when they showed up, there were issues or have you been fairly lucky with, you know, being able to have, uh, you know, guys who have worked with you now, for numerous occasions that, you know, are kind of your wheelhouse to go back to those guys like a Willie Mack, uh, you know, or a guy like Jeff Cobb, um, you know, is, is there a, is there a difficult period with, you know, kind of reaching out to guys and, and seeing if they um, are easy to work with or, or in not even just, you know, wrestling wise, but, you know, booking flights and, and travel arrangements and hotel arrangements and all that kind of stuff. So I know in my experience with dealing with talent, a lot of times uh, you'll get people who commit and then they want a little bit more. Yeah, of course. You know, we, we, we've had those issues. Normally, if you look at a lot of the guys we've used on the Mecca, uh, it's guys we've used on more than one occasion. Obviously, if I had a problem with Brian Cage, I wouldn't have used him 23 times. You you know what I mean? So there's guys you bring in and some of them are not interested or care less about what's going on. They're they're just looking for their payday. 
you know, and, and that's okay. That's their job. They're going out, they're making money. They're going to get what they can get. But for me, it's a lot easier dealing with guys I've made relationships with because I can say to TJ, Hey, this is the budget, bro. Like he's like, Hey, you got a spot. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, with this going on and he's like, Hey, can you do this? And it's, it's a cordial back and forth. You know, when you're dealing with somebody you never used before, you know, they're also not giving you the brother rate that they're like, hey, I'm X amount of dollars, you know, and, you know, they they add 200 and then they take it off to act like they're giving you a discount, but they're really not. So by having guys in the business like a Brian Cage that you become friendly with and you can talk to about stuff. So when you do get a Keith Lee because Brian recommended him, now it's like, hey, Keith, this is Joe DeFalco. Brian Cage told me to hit you up. We got a show, blah, 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 blah. You're going to wrestle Brian. You know, we got this thing going on. It's going to be in Vegas. Hey, what can you do for me? You know what I mean? So they already know going in because a guy like Cage may have hit him up. And the more of that that happens, the more you can do. It's kind of like with uh, D'Lo Brown. So as much of we would love to have him as part of the training staff, he, he's doing a full-time job at Impact with the talent relations. So there's different types of contracts. So when I have to hit somebody up, like Chris Bay, who's our guy, we can hit him up and I could say, hey, Chris, blah, 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 blah. What do you want to do? Like he hit me up uh, today. And he was like, hey, you know, what's next for me in FSW? I'd love to get something going. Like, hey, when you're ready, come on down. We'll talk. And, you know, he, he he's interested in, you know, the storyline like he did w- with Ice Williams, you know. And it, it took a long time, but we, we put that together. So now when I hit up D'Lo on other guys, they're contracted wrestlers. So they can't book themselves out. And there's a good majority of those guys. So I got to say, hey, D'Lo, I'm interested in Willie Mack. Okay, well, this is what we normally pay Willie for the thing. This is what we're getting. He's being booked out for. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's a school show. Can you do me better? That When you have somebody in that position, they're going to work with you. Because, again, in the situation of a Willie Mack, he lives in Las Vegas. So it's an easy 15-minute drive for him that if he if he's booked, we're not getting him anyway. So, you know, if he's not booked, it's just another booking. So, you know, these guys are looking to work and, and, and make their money because Impact, for example, doesn't run that often. You know, they do. They bang out their TV tapings once a month. So at most, a guy's getting three or four shows in a three or four-day period in a three-day period, and, and and that's it. So the rest, you know, they have, you know, I don't want to say 28 other days because they don't. It's usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you got 12, 12 booking days. And with Impact, you're lucky because it's a TV taping, so a lot of times they'll do Monday. You know what I mean? So they'll do a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. But – those guys have nine or 10 days out of the month to also book themselves out. So, you know, I I love guys who sign with impact because we get pretty much full access to, to everyone there. AEW 
you know, it depends on that contract. Like I hit up Jay Lethal, like, hey, bro, AW weekend, man. You know, love to have you for a seminar. He's like, oh, I'd love to. So, of course, now I got to push a little further. And, you know, we'd love to have you uh, work on one of the shows. And then right. the message back was, yeah, highly unlikely. Because AEW is not going to allow. Ring of Honor was the same way. You know, we were going to have uh, Jay Lethal uh, at the Cannery show that he actually came to. So he would have worked it because he was like, oh, talk to Joe Coff, the guy who runs uh, Ring of Honor. And it was like, nope. And it was like, well, Friday and Saturday, you've done your shows. You sold out or whatever you did. And Jay's leaving Monday morning. Who cares if he makes some extra money and works Sunday? Right. You know, if I was in Alaska, because it's technically not in the United States, you know, that they have the okay to, to allow somebody if they want to. If right. it's PWG, they would have let him. But... You know, even though we've helped them out for five years, they couldn't, you know, throw us that one bone. So, fuck them. Do, do you uh, catch wind sometimes of, uh, for instance, um, just within the past couple of days, a team like FTR uh, mm-hmm. has expressed that they are taking independent wrestling bookings because of the fact that they want to continue to wrestle some of the best talent out there in uh, tag team divisions around the country. Does something like that catch your ear or get onto your radar to where then you start to consider, well, okay, if AEW wouldn't let them work Memorial Day weekend, let's say, um, then, you know, the possibility of maybe getting them in for a for a June show for uh, a Mecca show or something like that, is that how you kind of facilitate sometimes? Just kind of keeping your fingers on the pulse to know what teams might or, or individuals might be interested in doing business with uh, you know some of the independent companies, uh, even though they do work for an AEW or. Uh, you know, and again, impact you're you're a little closer to, but is that something that uh, intrigues you and allows you to potentially, you know, think of FTR versus uh, Death Proof or, or something like that, or the Suavecitos? I know you want. I know you'd want to see that one. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But see, the thing is, everybody's on the table. You know, I'll, I'll hit up a Brody King. I'll hit up a Malachi Black. The problem is, unless you have someone who knows them that you're friendly with that can help put in the word for you, you know, you're just another promoter and they're going to give you the highest rate possible that they want to make. Now, will they work for less? Sure. They'll work for less for me if they've worked with me before. They know how I do business. If I'm some strange guy to them, they're, they're going to go and price themselves out. So everybody's on the radar, you know. So, hey, Ring of Honor. Hey, there's the Briscoes. Hey, Jay, hey, how you doing, buddy? You know, they, they know me as the guy who runs the thing, but we're, we're not friendly. We've talked on the phone once or twice. Yeah. So, you know, Kenny hit me up. I hit up Kenny, and he gave me the number, and I messaged them. And their price was extremely high, of course, because it's the Briscoes. 
even higher than I expected. And, you know, Sammy's like, oh, you know, let me talk to them because, you know, I, I know them really well. And, of course, he's they're a fellow wrestler. So it's yeah. like with GCW, people want to work for GCW. So they're not going to give you that highest number because GCW is a great platform and they want to be on a great platform, making sure their matches. Brian Cage, for example, like Brian Cage can take bookings. Doesn't need to, but he wants to because he's not wrestling. Even though he's making good money, he wants to wrestle. But he wants to wrestle good matches. So, and it's no offense to some of our younger guys, but that's not what's going to excite Brian Cage to get out of bed and out of his house to come and wrestle a Brett the Threat, for example. You know, that's, you know, no offense to Brett the Threat. He's awesome. That's great. But... You know, Brian Cage, sure, he came out. He'll work Hammerstone. Oh, he's going to work Hammerstone and Davey Richards. Oh, he's got TJP. You know, that kind of gets the juices flowing. It's wrestling guys. Like him and Casey Navarro are extremely tight. And Casey's a super cool dude. And he's like, hey, I'm good friends with Buddy Murphy. You know, he'd love to come out. And it's like, well, you know, Casey, it, it all depends on that money. Because when people come fresh out of that WWE, you know, they're banging hard. You know, they're, they know they have a window of opportunity to make the highest amount of money. And if they don't get signed by any company, you know, obviously Buddy Murphy's in the AEW now. But, you know, if you don't get signed a year later, you know, you're lucky if you're going to get half of what you're asking today. So they're going to take advantage of their popularity. And, you know, the Northeast is a crazy market. You know what I mean? So, you know, if a guy says five grand, they're like, oh, okay. You know, uh, on the West Coast, there isn't as many opportunities. So, you know, you can wrestle in a 200 mile radius of New York and you're in four different states. You know, you're in Massachusetts, you're in, in, in New Jersey, you're in Connecticut, you're in New York, you know, and, you know, you're in totally different markets. And there's... The population is millions of people that could drive two to three hours. Yeah. You know, we have a fucking desert that for 500 miles, there's pretty much, well, you know, 200 miles, there's nobody around. You know, you ain't getting any uh, people coming from the uh, ZZYYXX road to uh, to come to an FSW show. You, you know what I mean? It's like you got pockets in yeah. Nevada. You know, and your, your only hope is some people from Phoenix or L.A. or even a little closer like a Victorville. But uh, Victorville is not big at all. You know what I mean? You know, home of the Young Bucks. But other than that, there's there's not a lot going on. Right. So budget is extremely important. So when you come out, you know, we train Kevin Cross. Did he give us a good deal? I think so. I, I hope so. I hope he said, hey, I'm going to give you a better deal, Joe. You trained us, you know. And he brought Scarlett with him. And, and you know, the turnout was tremendous. Right. So the thing is, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Kevin Cross, Killer Cross, is extremely valuable. Now, I would think he's more valuable to me in Las Vegas then say Dom would be to PCW in Arizona just because 
in that market, you're only going to have the WWE fans know who he is. And he's got a lot of those fans, but we had people who grew up with him. And like I said, we had a bunch of people who not only bought meet and greets and tickets to the show, but we had not seen them very often in the last few years. So having one of our own, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if God forbid something happened with Sefa and he came back, people are going to want to be like, hey, man, great to see you again. Awesome what you did. Because they feel they were part of the development and they were there and they watched them from the beginning. When, you know, I had to carry Cross when he was my, you know, assistant. And, you know, I built him up to where he is today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or... Or, or that's the reason he got canned from uh, WWE when he got up to the main roster is the DeFalco rub off just kind of came out and they're like, yeah. Well, if they would have brought me in as his Paul Heyman, it might have worked better. Who knows? <laughs> um, you know, when, when you talk about that with the fans, um, is that something that is almost a carryover from territory days? that idea that the home territory, no matter if it's as big as Las Vegas or LA um, or uh, as small as, you know, some towns in Indiana or Ohio, that the fans who go out to wrestling shows that are local shows are typically fans who want to feel like they're part of something from the beginning or from the inside um, as opposed to, you know, uh, and, and maybe this is also a, a key factor too, is you go to a WWE show and it's going to cost you probably hundreds of dollars to take your family to that show. Whereas for 12 months, you probably spend as much in the 12 months to see 12 or more different wrestling shows with people who are accessible to you. Is that something that, you know, is something that kind of is the almost one of the last kind of carryovers from territory days is just that loyal crowd base to smaller cities or local cities. I don't know how it is anywhere else, but the fans are the backbone of everything that is FSW. Like, I can go in the front row and there's the chief and there's George and there's Shant and there's Danny and Sophia and there's Brandy and Amber. And it's like, I, and Tony Bruno's back and Jamie and Fred are at every show and Garth is there. And the thing is, and I feel it's extremely important. I get to know these people as much as I can as the guy, we don't hang out, but when they're there, they feel like it's a family, you know, as useless as Lawson usually is, you know, coming up with the fam t-shirt was a great idea, man. It's like, I loved it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, thanks to that. Now we still got to keep him around for another six months. You know what I mean? Hoping he might have one more good idea in him. Probably not, but that one is a good one. You know, that was a great idea, man. You're part of the fam. And that's what we try to do. We, we we treat these people like family. You know, there were times people would come to me, hey, Joe, really love to come to the show. You know, things are a little tough. You know, and I'm like, hey, you know what? 
pay me at the next show. You know, a couple of weeks later. Oh, you can pay me next week? No problem. And you're not going to get that in 99.9% of the places out there. Like, they've made what I've got to do and live out my dream possible, you know, because I'm not the type of person who's going to run shows with 30 or 40 people in it. And I would I would have not continued to run if we couldn't garner a fan base in any way. You know what I mean? It's like, I do this because I love wrestling. I don't love why I, I get very disappointed when we do a smaller show and it's like, fuck, you look out there and there's 60, 70 people. I'm like, yeah, that's the shits. But in a lot of local wrestling promotions, 60 or 70 people are good, you yeah. know? And it's like, oh, shit, that show sucked. We only had 350 there. You know what I mean? And it's like, because we have high expectations, we, you know, I, I've always said this from day one. It's like with the wrestlers, I'll always tell them, I may not pay the best, but I'm going to pay you what I say I'm going to pay you. And if you're good with that, because the difference is in a lot of, local wrestling promotions throughout the United States. If you look at the show, you're going to see three, four, five guys that are like, you know, really good. And the rest are going to be a lot of younger guys who, who are never getting paid. They, you know, they're students and they're going to pull four or five guys. You look at our show and day of reckoning, you had, Damian Drake in the opening match, you know, Viva Van worked the second match, you know, Nick Xander's young, obviously, but we had Death Proof in the third match. We had Toko Uso. We had Shogun and Hero, Remy Marcel, Gregory Sharp, Hammerstone, Graves, Ice Williams, and Brandon Gatson and Funny Bone and Eli Everfly. But we also didn't have on the show, you know, a Jay Vidal. Right. Our No Limits champion. You know, we didn't have Adrian Quest on the show. And these are guys that are making moves and they're doing stuff all over the West Coast. You know, Adrian Quest in New Japan. Jay Vidal is all over the place. And counting the guys we had, that's 10, 12, 14 guys out of 20 that are generally going to be booked every weekend of the year. And that's the thing. FSW especially if we're doing an arena show, if we're doing it in a casino, usually it's a big buildup. As I like to say, raw SmackDown is the, the school shows. And, you know, the pay-per-view is, you know, whatever casino we happen to be running at. And when it comes to that, you know, we don't have to post a card, but our fans know that if they see somebody on the show that they never heard of, that, in most cases, that guy's good. Joe DeFalco brings in really good guys. You know, who are the best guys in Arizona? Well, Hammerstone, Graves, Jacob Austin Young, you know, class who's become a guy. The minute he rises the ranks, we already have him. Right. You know what I mean? And now they got that new crop that we're, you know, using on Future Shock. That Wolfgang, I like a lot. Devin Reno, the Grizz Brody kid, you know, definitely got some talent there. You know, the idea is to work them in. 
You know, we're seeing Gatson more. We're seeing Eli Everfly. We're seeing Adrian Quest. You know, Matt Vandergriff, you know, moved away, but we're still going to use him. He's still going to do some stuff on the West Coast. You know, he'll be out here for AEW weekend. And, you know, add all those guys up and we could take half of them away and do an eight-match show and it wouldn't miss a beat. It would be a great show, you know. And then you're trying to bring in the younger guys, like a guy we never really used before, six foot six, three hundred pound amateur wrestling champion, Cal Jack. He comes in, and I'm stunned to be honest with you. All of a sudden, the crowd's like going fucking berserk. Like, is that all you got to do? Is like jump the rail and beat up Brett the Threat? That the crowd desperately wanted to see him beat his ass, I guess. But I was like, wow. And Cal Jack, his entrance music is. The only thing that I recognizable to me that was like that was the Reno scum where everybody could do the oi, oi, oi. And with yeah. Cal Jacks, it was like the crowd was digging it. And it was like, wow, he hasn't really been seen a lot, you know, in, in the Vegas area. You know what I mean? And it's like, right. you know, he's he's already a guy. You know, we had him do Natural Born Killers. And when uh, Pillman canceled again, uh, we needed a guy for Hammerstone, and Caljack stepped right in. So, but sometimes it's hard because, like guys like him and Steven Tresario, who again like both of those guys tremendously, but the problem is just trying to fill that spot and finding something for them. You, you know what I mean? To yeah. where consistency is the most important thing in FSW. The fans want to see you, and make it seem like, hey, these guys are FSW guys. You know, we're seeing them on a bunch of shows. You know, they're not just one-offs that we're not going to basically care that much about because we're not engaged with them. You know, we we don't see them enough for us to, like, really be engaged and, and care. But when you start seeing these guys on a more frequent basis – you know, it was like that with Brian Cage. People were like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. He does great shit, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, you started seeing him regularly. He got involved with Matt Hardy, and then he was our champion, and it, it, it was a much bigger deal. You know, a guy like Eli Everfly was in. He was out, tremendous talent. And then all of a sudden, he was here a lot and had great matches with Vandegriff and Jay Vidal and the ladder match. And then all of a sudden, people were like, oh, shit, this motherfucker's great. Because right. now they see him as a regular part of the FSW roster. So you know, now it's okay to like them now. Let me let me ask you about that, because I think you, you brought up uh, with, with Eli, which is an interesting thing as well for wrestlers who, uh, with Eli, he's known in Southern California and uh you know has performed there over the years he's trained there he's performed there people know who he is they see him is it beneficial for wrestlers especially where it's a closer proximity like la and, and vegas being only you know four or so hours away to make yourself known in that neighboring state 
or you know northern california as compared to southern california some of the fsw guys are doing it right now with uh going up to uh, washington state um a does it help when you make those relationships with the other wrestlers in the area the other talent in the area and b does it help uh kind of alleviate crowd burnout when you're not necessarily wrestling you know three four shows within a you know a five month period in the same place is that something that with just how everything is now with you know the internet and being able to kind of go oh okay like ela ever is going to be on this show i i've really never seen him let me catch a couple matches of his before i go down to to your show at, at fsw is that just kind of that new feel of just so much more that you can do as a wrestler by getting yourself you know to other places uh and networking and just keeping yourself fresh as opposed to staying stagnant in the same place where people will eventually just kind of burn out, you know, from seeing you over and over and over. Well, you're really not doing your, your job of what you're looking to do and be a professional wrestler. If you're just staying in one place anyway, you know what I mean? Like Matt Vandergriff started in Southern California and trained at Santino brothers, uh, formed a friendship with Damian Drake. We liked him, you know, this chubby kid who, you know, I don't even know if you say chubby. He was a little thick. I uh, did some cool stuff. I met him at, like, I believe the Impact uh, tryout. And I was the first one when I was sitting with Sanjay Dutt. And the first thing he said was, man, I really like uh, what this kid can do and how he can move. But he's got to get in a little better shape. And, you know, that was the first critique. And then uh, before he even moved here, we were doing a triple A tryout with uh, Conan and these guys, him and Damian Drake had a couple of matches together and I was fortunate enough to be able to put matches together for Conan to look at the guys. So I told Damian Drake and Vandergriff that they were going to work each other. I thought that was going to be the best way for them to get, you know, possibly on the radar of Conan. Well, they went out there, they they did a tremendous job, and Conan started bringing those guys in, and they were working the AAA shows in Tijuana. Uh, within a couple of months, Matt Vandegrift moved to Vegas. You know, he saw some more opportunities, and now, you know, got to be the tag team champions, him and Damian Drake. You know, we had the whole unguided feud. Uh, he moved to Florida. He thought he'd get more opportunities, I guess. Uh, spoke with him recently, and he said it, it's, it was a little more difficult than he expected because there's so many guys there. You got to make new connections and new people. Yeah. And but the thing is, when he posts something, even though the FSW fans know he's in Florida, they're still keeping up with Matt Vandergriff and yeah. what he's doing. So if he wrestles like he did in the past, like a Davy Richards at a California show there's a good chance our fans were checking it out because they are now engaged in Matt Vandergriff. Right. He is now somebody who they feel a part of his success and being there when they watched him, which was the same thing with Sefa. You know what I mean? It's like 
he came in and, you know, he started to explode. And, you know, then he was gone for a little bit with us, blah, blah, blah. And then he had the late run before he got signed. And, you know, it, it was like he was one of ours. It's like one of ours is making it, you know, same thing with Cross, same thing with Bay. You know, that's why when, you know, Chris Bay was there, we were able to do, hey, Chris Bay is going to be wrestling for the Impact Championship and we're going to air it at the FSW Arena and we're going to get a decent amount of people to show up. Hey, Killer Cross is going to wrestle for the NXT Championship, you know, come on down. And we had a good amount of people who came on down, you know. And, you know, they came to support who they considered family, you know, somebody they watched from the very beginning, you know, maybe some rough moments. And, you know, there's and again, you'll always see, you know, the first time Sean Ricker came to us, we're like, oh, shit, man, this fucking dude can talk. It's like he's he was like the first guy we brought in that we were like. Oh man, yeah, this guy, he's going to be a WWE superstar. Yeah. And then he got signed and then a year later he was back wrestling for us because he pissed somebody off. But I guess not enough because now he's back and and shockingly enough, he's got a pretty strong babyface run going in NXT. And you know, when it comes to talking, man, he he was always engaging, even as a heel. Like he'd come out and people would sit there and be like listening to what he had to say. Then they would boo him during the match. But, you know, in a lot of cases, that heel talks. You guys, you know, the fans are so loud, they, they don't even want to let you speak. But with Ricker, everybody wanted to hear what he had to say. So yeah. it was always that. It was a very weird dynamic uh, with Sean. So, but, you know, that's another guy who, 2009, uh, he probably, 2010 was probably the first show he did with us when he contacted me because he was teaming up with Brian cage in Hollywood back in the day. Right. So, which we ended up putting him together a little bit, but that was when we were using like Jody Christofferson with Brandon Gasson, short lived yeah. tag team, the sons of Texas that I really liked. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of uh, talent, uh, is there anyone that sticks out in your mind as uh, someone that, you uh, you thought that they would uh, go on to make it, um, and and it just never worked out for whatever reason uh, that they never went to that next level. Yeah, there's always people like that. Offhand, I, I couldn't. I'd have to really think about who it is. And knowing my reputation, I'm probably best if I do know who it is. Not to say. Because they would be fucking offended. Right. And if you look at it realistically, it's like, hey, here's a guy that I think is going to do this, that, and the other thing. And for whatever reason, he didn't do it. And sometimes it's not any fault of theirs. But now it's me shitting on them. Right. Which people like to say, you know, oh, Joe Falco, there he goes, shitting on him, shitting on this guy. You know what I mean? It was like, we knew Brian Cage should be a superstar. You know, we knew Eli Drake was going to be a superstar. We knew there was something about Cross early. We knew something about Bay. We saw once Lacey Ryan was around a bit, like, man, 
she's got something. When yeah. Sefa came in, he was green as fuck. You know what I mean? It was like, I thought he had a lot more training with Rikishi than he did. You know what I mean? He he barely scratched the surface. And then he, like a fucking rocket, like picked it up extremely well. And, you know, he went from beating up Lights, Camera, Faction to, you know, wrestling Graves in the Nevada State Championship. And one of the most popular wrestlers in FSW, Graves, was basically, he wasn't booed out of the house, but nobody was behind him in that match. They were all behind fucking Sefa. So, you know, the fans know too. You know what I mean? They yeah. they see people. And again, then there's guys, you know, whether it's a, you know, I guess you could call them, you know, the, the three-headed monster of, you know, Vegas wrestling. You know, all appeared at our very first show at the SWAT meet. Funny Bone, Remy Marcel, and Cody. Cody was nowhere near at the skill level he was. Remy had come out of the Ring of Honor school, just happened to be in Vegas. And Funny Bone was basically the only guy from the Rush training school days that was still wrestling on a, on a regular basis. And, you know, he was driving to NorCal pretty much any time they had a show, some SoCal stuff. But in 1999, you know, he started, I believe, with, with, with Rush in, in Vegas at the training school. And by 2002 and three, and again, the few shows that that was run in Vegas were were non-paid shows. They were exhibitions at yeah. at, the, at the facility that nobody paid to come into. And and you know, I was a part of it. We would run like every Friday, and then Rush kind of got out of the business, and I was long gone. And Funny Bone was the only one who stayed in consistent you know, contact with stuff. So he was probably one of the first guys I contacted uh, in 2009 when we decided we were going to do stuff. So, you know, hey, those are three guys that I could look at and said, man, they never caught that big break. You know what I mean? That, you know, there's definitely that talent where you look at other people and I wouldn't say it's the luck of the draw, but it's that right place, right time. You know, sure. Chris Bay got there way sooner than uh, Sean Ricker or Brian Cage. You know, Brian yeah. Cage at least had the developmental in 2008. You know, it took Ricker, Eli Drake, a very long time to really, you know, get even signed to developmental. You know, that was probably 2014-ish, 2013. And then after that, you know... Then he finally had the impact run that kind of got squashed quick when Austin Aries came back. You know, I was like, "Oh, so there were." I was like, "Holy shit, Eli Drake's their champ!" Damn, you know. And it was great for us because you know, look at all these guys: Brian Kate. You know, the FSW. You want to be an Impact World Champion? Yeah. Become an FSW uh, World Champion. You know. <laughs> If Cross State, he would have been their champ, but they had Cage, they had Ricker, they, you know, Bay was the X Division champion. Maybe if he hangs on, he'll become the uh, heavyweight champion. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you mentioned a bunch of names here who uh, just 
were on the card of uh, Day of Reckoning. Um, and we're, you know, talking about um, local talent and fans getting to see guys grow and develop. And there was a big tag team title change where Toko Uso lost the uh, titles to uh, TVD. Um, did you expect that uh, that win to get that kind of reaction? I expected a very good reaction. As we have seen for, for a long time, you know, Hiro Lu doing his singles matches, you know, the crowd was digging what he was doing. Shogun a little bit more up and down because a lot of inconsistencies, not on his end, but in a tag with Kenny King, but not really tagging and then having to wrestle, you know, as a tag champ, some random singles matches. But once those guys got put together and we found it out the one time Kenny King couldn't make it and we had hero team with Shogun in a match. And we're like, and and I also remembered from when they did their Halloween Battle Royal together that there was a lot of chemistry. And I felt that they could be hugely successful. The problem was, I thought Shogun was more of a guy in the heavyweight main event picture. And it was perfect for Hero because that's what he kind of needed to get in there. And, you know, once I knew Shogun was cool with it, I, I was cool with it. It was like, you know what? Let's see what they can do together. And, and they gelled very well. And, you know, again, a little rough in the beginning, figuring stuff out. But, you know, they got huge accolades, you know, uh, in that Mecca three-way match that, you know, everybody was impressed with them. You know, the next uh, arena show, you know, they, they looked the part. You know, they look great. You know, they're, they're working on stuff together. And... You know, I believe Shogun's more of like a mentor to Hero. So now Hero upped his game a little bit to to be like that. But I think it, it's really helped Shogun because that combination is extremely, extremely popular. So in, in all honesty, other than MK, Toko Uso are two guys that the fans seem to like also. Yeah. So... You know, we killed two birds with one stone. You know, we, we the, the titles changed hands and Toko Uso dumped fucking MK. So, you know, in the in the wonderful words of Juicy, fuck the MK army. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the crowd was chanting Toko Uso. So, you know, those guys are stars. It's funny. We were on the uh, – I was looking at Facebook the other day, and it was like – uh, Fresco, I believe, he posted, and it goes, the FSW Tag Team Division. And it had Death Proof with their belts from WAC. At the time, TBD had the East Bay belts that they just won. Sky High was the best of the West champions. Uh, Fresco and Watson were the AWF champions. And Toko Uso was our champions. So that's five tag teams, and they're all champions. You know what I mean? And it's like... Unfortunately, other teams feel that they're neglected, not taken care of. And it's like, well, if those are our top five teams and you're the sixth or seventh team, you know, how many shows are going to have three tag team matches for you to get on? 
You, right. you know what I mean? So if you are, sometimes it's a pre-show. Sometimes it's a six-man tag, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It was like, but nobody's always going to be happy. And it's like, we have the depth that they have. See, Best of the West uses Sky High, and I believe they just started using Lights, Camera, Faction, but they don't use the other tag teams. And East Bay might use TBD, but they don't use the other tag teams. Right. So we know that we have the best division. Then when we go into the No Limits division, we got Jay Vidal atop the division. But we got Funny Bone, we got Gatson, we got Eli Everfly, we got Adrian Quest, we have a Damian Drake, we have a Matt Vandergriff, even though they were working tag matches. And you look at guys like that, like we have 10 guys who could be No Limits champions. Yeah. Because that's how deep the roster is. That's why, you know, you got Danny Limelight. We just haven't been able to use him enough. He's as talented as anybody I mentioned, you know, yeah. and on the microphone, you know, to me, he's like Sean Ricker. Like yeah. he's the guy who's far and away when he cuts a promo, you're listening. Yeah. And, you know, you also look at the – you know, the, the success of the tag teams outside of FSW, then when you bring upon those matches in FSW for the tag championships, now you got a team of, uh, you know, Hero Lou and Shogun. Does that set up potentially uh, a match with um, a veteran team like Death Proof to kind of give them a little seasoning, but also because Death Proof wants to continue to prove that they are the two best guys in the company. Does that help them when you potentially have a matchup of two teams that are very loved by the fans and you need a little chip on the shoulder to kind of, you know, if you're not going to have a, a, a typical heel, um, you know, someone who's trying to prove something then to, um, add a little fire to the vision and also to help the guys get a little more seasoning. Anytime they can wrestle people of that caliber, it's definitely going to improve them. You know, even though Toa doesn't have a lot of experience, those guys, you know, battling with him and juicy, you know, that that's a major step up. You know, we did the three way with death group and uh toko Uso. and then at the mecca show they they got to work with sky high and death proof so they've had that opportunity and you know the suavecitos they're sitting around as like the number seven tag team because we forgot to mention the rmb and yeah. they've been you know all over the world you know winning winning championships you know they're in the process of, of taking time off and you know you know, recharging the batteries, but there's a match that I'd be interested to see, you know, the R&B coming up against the TBD or even Toko Uso. So yeah. it's like, you know, but then you also look at these combinations. You talk about no limits, whatever. Well, Jacob Boston Young had a great match with Davey Richards. So, and he's a former no limits champion and Willie Mack, is a guy that could be yeah. a top no limits guy, you know, and then you go to the tag stuff, but a guy like juicy or Toa, they have every right to say, Hey, I, I think I could take out Hammerstone. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. 
we sometimes force things like in the tag matches, you know, where sometimes we put some people together just because, you know, obviously Damian Drake and Vandegrift were successful as singles and we had so many no limits guys. So they are good friends and they'd love the opportunity to tag. So it's like, you know what? We need a tag team. I think you guys can work. You guys are friends. You guys are doing stuff together. Boom. Kind of like what we had to do with the 1% when, you know, two thirds of our tag division left to go to China, you know, between the, the whirlwind gentlemen and the RMB and Jacob Austin Young was gone and uh, the midnight marbles, you know, they may have been at that, that lower end of the tier, but that was four tag teams that were no, no longer. And, you know, all of a sudden that gave, you know, two guys that were lulling around, random show here, random show there. Jarrell Nelson wanted to be a part, Royce Isaacs, and we put them together, and and they took it and ran with it. And to this day, you know, they're working New Japan shows, and they've done AEW Dark. And where would they be if we didn't put them together? Where would they be if they were like, nah, we're good? Right. Because I've also had teams that I put together – that they fucking hated it. And then you saw by the matches that they had that you had no choice but to split them up. Yeah. Because they sucked. Yeah. It's it's interesting, too, when you talk about the dynamics like that. Um, you know, one of the um, one of the more brutal things that we saw happen this past Sunday was, uh, again, Gregory Sharp. Uh, <sighs> on a whole different level of uh, brutality and violence coming through. Um, first off, how's Remy uh, doing uh, with his back? I know he posted uh, a picture, I think the other day, I think it was yesterday with uh, those, <laughs> those kendo stick marks, man. Wow. Um, damn. Are, are we gearing up to see, uh, you know, a pretty intense blood feud, uh, potentially building up to the uh, anniversary show. Well, there, there's definitely uh, no closure uh, in that. But I'm going to tell you what surprised me the most. It was Gregory Sharp is being introduced, and out he comes with the Hyperstreet uh, mask on. And I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting because, you know, I've always sold it on – Gregory Sharp's kind of gone full circle. At last year's Day of Reckoning, Hyperstreak was killed, which led to Gregory Sharp being born. So I'm thinking this, this motherfucker's coming out there, and now we'll rip off the mask to be like, hey, you know, we've come full circle. And then all of a sudden, motherfucker gets smashed with the kendo stick and goes down, and the angle I'm at, the, uh, the entryway, it's kind of closed off. So I can't see. And I'm like, I am so confused. I'm like, did Remy come out in the hyperstreak thing? Because now I finally saw that was hyperstreak. And then I got it that he literally killed hyperstreak there. And I was like, wow, that, you know, I can't take any credit for that. That was, uh, that was some, that, that was good shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> Even the crowd who doesn't like him popped for it. Like they were like, Hey, that's pretty creative, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's the thing too. I think that one of the things that makes it 
very entertaining, especially for the fans who know these guys, know the characters, know the feuds, um, is to see the creativity that the guys have. And I mean, on, honestly, in, in Remy and, and Craig Sharp, you've got two really just sharp minds for being creative, knowing certain things that will tweak and and just work nicely um and they're willing to take the risk uh when you think about that kind of term willing to take the risks you see a four-way match that was really just just wonderful to see um those four guys uh work together um and eli everfly wins um but uh you know, Bodhi got a little taste of, uh, you know, of being the young prodigy. And, um, you know, I mean, he's he's fine. No, no broken bones. But, um, you know, he got he got a, a little rocked uh, in that match. Um, is it impressive to you when you see that a, a guy like Bodhi, who is so young, so talented, is willing to take those kind of you know risks with guys who he trusts who are you know veterans who are a little older and is willing to show that he is as tough as the next you know motherfucker who's you know might be you know 10 years older than him but might not have the same heart as he does and the passion for what he does you know, is is a match like that where you have four talented guys like that, just kind of uh, almost a a you know a next level uh, experience for the youngest of the of the the four of them. You know, in the past, I've done everything I could to protect Bodie in situations. He worked in tag with Remy, worked in the tag with Sin. You know, trying to place him in, in spots. Because uh, being so young, you know, he's eager to go out, you know, obviously and do everything that he can. You know what I mean? And it's like because of his age, you want to pull it back and, and, and you want him to grow, but also, you know, live life. You know, you're 15. You know what I mean? And it's like the one thing you don't want to see is him have a bad injury. And this was the first match where he got little fucked up you know what i mean and then you know i guess it was off a, a, a german suplex or whatever and uh bodie took responsibility for it you know he said when he he turned the wrong way or the way the way he took the bump and you know yeah. when i left you know people were like oh bodie tore his rotator cuff but then the next day, the mom posted the thing we saw and, you know, it was just a bad sprain and he's OK. And, you know, but that's the thing. Also, when you're that age, you know, other people, especially in other companies, but it happened in our company. But he's working other companies where guys do not know him. They just see this young kid and it's like, hey, what are we going to do to have a good match? And Bodie is going to be 100% to do whatever. And the thing is, somebody has to be able to make him understand that you don't have to do everything. You're young. Get out there. 
and and do far less. But being that he's in the no limits division and he's in with Gatson, and I saw him, you know, wanting to do Canadian destroyers and shit. You know what I mean? It's like that's cool if you want to do it, but don't make your debut of a Canadian destroyer be in the middle of a four way match. Maybe you should get the crash pad out and work on that so nobody gets hurt. You, you know what I mean? Because just like everybody, and it's no different than a 22-year-old who just started or a 32-year-old who just started. You know, they want to do cool stuff. They want to have the best match on the card. And, you know, Bodie's not looking at it as like, well, I'm only 15 and I have a lot of years to grow. So I'm going to hesitate on what I do now for the next two years. But then when I hit 18, it's like, no, he's in a match. Like, what cool shit can I do in this match? And and that's kind of, like I said, part of the reason when you put him in with the Sin Bodhi and you put him in with the Remy, you know, they're going to – it's almost like an extension of me having him being protected. Right. And, you know, in the four-way, something happened. You know, injuries occurred. Knock on wood, nothing, nothing major. But hopefully he sees that and says, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe I need to be a little more careful, you know, he's 15. He's still growing. You know what I mean? As, as we saw, like I was, I was about, I was saying it on commentary just as Eli Everfly, Eli Everfly thought he might be taller than Bodie. And then he went up and it was like, fuck, he's taller than me too at 15. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, you saw GCW's uh, match. Uh, from this uh, past week between Eli and Juicy. Because, damn, it, it's just fun to see that massive mountain of man and then Eli ever fly, you know? And he looks even that much smaller in the ring with, you know, huge guys like that. Uh, does that ever cross your mind of, uh, you know, potentially um, using a guy like Eli against Someone like a Hammerstone. Absolutely. You know, uh, no limits to me is no limits. You know what I mean? I, if I think it's an interesting matchup and I, I think people would like it, I'm, I'm more than happy to, you know, do matches. Because the key is, especially now when there's three, four, five different companies that are running around, we need to be exclusive on what we do. We, we need to do things that, you know, people can't do, you know? And it's like, there's matches they can't do because they only work for us. So you're really not going to get the opportunity to see Funny Bone Gats and Eli Everfly and Bodie in a four-way anywhere else. Right. And, you know, you're not going to see Hammerstone and Graves against Lights, Camera, Faction anywhere else you know those guys you know pretty much this is your know, fsw is their home and it's nothing against anybody else who works other shows but it's very valuable because if there's 50 guys and 50 of them work every show makes those 50 guys not as uh, as valuable but when 25 of them or there's 30 guys and 15 don't work any other show those 15 that do work the other shows, when they come in, it's still a fresh matchup. And it's still they're not going to see it somewhere else. 
You know, there was a match that happened this weekend that I was looking to do, but I'm not going to do it now because it happened at another show. You know, don't need to do it. It's been seen already. Whether it was good, bad, indifferent, good crowd, bad crowd, don't matter. It's like they've already had that match. You know, I wanted to be the first one to have the match. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I didn't get it. Oh, well, you know, there's plenty of other options to go to. And always trying to be fresh and always trying to give some people different. Because as we said, our roster is a lot of the same people who have been around for years. But I still think we've done a really good job of mixing and matching to where, you know, it's not the same thing over and over again. Sure, Gregory Sharp and Remy Marceau wrestled a, a year ago. But they hadn't wrestled in a long time before that. And then they didn't wrestle again. And Gregory Sharp won matches. It's time to go after a title. You know, this this is different because it isn't the same. It was hyperstreak against Remy Marcel. That Gregory Sharp cat, totally fucking different person than hyperstreak. So you're watching a fresh matchup. You know, Jay Vidal and Gregory Sharp, fresh matchup. You know, Hammerstone and Ice, fresh matchup. Never seen it before. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, always trying to be a, a, a step ahead. Because, you know, our goal is up here. Our goal isn't what those guys are doing. Our goal is what do we have to do to make people want to come to our show when there are so many options this month? You know, eight years ago, we were the only fucking option. So if you wanted to come to a wrestling show, you came to ours. It was a great show. But if somebody else is running a show now, that may stop you from coming to my show unless... There's a reason why you want to come to the show. And obviously, when we ran the Mecca, a lot of motherfuckers wanted to come to the show because we had Killer Cross. We had Scarlet. We had Jacob Fatu. We had plenty of guys that don't wrestle anywhere in Las Vegas. Yeah. And these are national national guys like Davey Richards, you know. Dude sent like three messages like, dude, don't worry. We got you because, you know, Sammy wants to use them. We're talking about maybe the American Wolves coming together on this weekend. You know, we're talking about Davey working one of our shows on the Sunday. And it's like, you know, if we can if we can get that level uh, of wrestler, man, you know, like I said before, when we, we used to run the Mecca, the card with Mecca and Ring of Honor was no better. It was just different, you know, and it's the same thing with AEW. And to me, AEW has that fan base that Ring of Honor had that WWE doesn't have. So the difference between AEW and Ring of Honor is they can sell out a 15,000-seat arena, while if Ring of Honor did well, they did 800. So that means we have 14,200 more people that – could come to our event when they go to dynamite on Wednesday and think, eh, I really don't want to go fucking see Chris angel. What can I do on Thursday? Oh shit. Uh, Davey Richards is wrestling. Oh, Brian cage is wrestling. Oh shit. TJP's wrestling. Oh, this guy's wrestling. So, and then Friday it's like, Oh, we went to rampage. What are we going to do Friday night? We're going to go hang out on the strip. Oh shit. The American wolves are wrestling the Briscoes, you know? And again, probably not, but Shit, if they were, you know, yeah. I'd buy a ticket for that. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, as we kind of get close to the end here, 
Uh, you brought up, uh, you know, uh, big companies and WWE and uh, the fan base. Uh, we're heading into a weekend in Dallas here that's going to see their biggest fan base of the year, of course, with WrestleMania. Is there um, anything that you're interested in seeing on this year's WrestleMania card of the, uh, the announced matches uh, that are going to be taking place? Absolutely not. Uh, to me, I'm to me. All WrestleMania is is a longer version of Monday Night Raw. It's like we got oh. Bobby Lashley against Omos. Who cares if Bobby Lashley don't destroy this fucking bum? You know, like to me, I think they realized that maybe he's not what they were thinking he was going to be. So let's get Lashley back that push and have him thump him. You know, yeah, AJ Styles and Edge should be great. But Edge loses every high-profile match since he's been back. You know, if they make him win, that kills AJ, who it looks like they're positioning to have a great new push because they've kind of like, for the last year, they kind of lulled him, you know. And if Seth Rollins wrestles Cody Rhodes, cares. There's no... There's no animosity. There's no heat there. It's just Seth Rollins. The, the gimmick is Seth Rollins wants a match at WrestleMania. Like, there's nothing behind it. There's no story behind it. Lesnar so and Reigns. I got a theory on that one, though. He went to Vince McMahon on Monday night. I say it's not going to be Cody Rhodes. Cody, if he debuts, he debuts on, uh, on Raw. I say it's Shane McMahon. I'm going to throw that down. Well, that's even worse to me than Cody Rhodes. <laughs> At least Cody Rhodes is a real wrestler. You know, Shane's a spot guy and, you know, he does the cool shit. But, again, from what I understand, the Shane McMahon uh, story is uh, more real than the Will Smith-Chris Rock story. So, I don't know. <laughs> And I'm buying that the Will Smith Chris Rock story is is real because you know I highly doubt Will Smith is putting his reputation on the line for doing this as a work to help the fucking Academy Awards because <laughs> in a year nobody's gonna be like oh shit we gotta watch the Academy Awards because somebody might slap somebody you know what I mean I saw Jim Carrey wrote that uh, if. If Will Smith smacked him, he would have sued him for two hundred million, which is good because I had the wife look. It says he's worth three hundred and fifty million, so he still has one hundred and fifty million after. You know, I I swear to God, though, you know they show it over and over. When he throws it, first of all, he th he throws it and he opens the hand, and second of all, I swear to God, it looks like he's slapping his fucking his side hip. But he. He's throwing it like he's an actor. Yeah, I know. It was just how many basketball fights have you seen it's... where it's like a slap fight because they're not fighters. You know, Will Smith started laughing, looked over. She wasn't laughing. Gets up. And now he's like, fuck, what am I going to do? I got to fucking do something. It's not going to punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> I was like, ah, eh, I guess I'm going to have to slap him. Then I can apologize later. 
know? And it's like, who the fuck knows? I, I saw her. I thought she had a shaved head. I thought the G.I. Jane joke. I'm like, did I miss something? Because I'm assuming Chris Rock must have said something about their open marriage. And it was like, I was looking for that, which, which they supposedly is- said two other times during the show. Yeah. And there was no heat on that one. No, no, that was the, that's the thing that blew my mind. It's like, yeah, our sex life. Cool. My alopecia, not cool. Like, you know, really? my hair, you know, I got no hair. People would joke. Hey, so, so in reality, I had a disease in terms of hair loss. There was nothing I can do about it, but I wasn't going to be offended because somebody made a joke. You know, it wasn't like, oh, that's pretty rude. I had ringworm and that's why I lost my fucking hair. You know what I mean? Like, who the fuck knows it? Oh, well, you know, Jada, she announced it on her uh, her red diary, whatever the fuck it's called. It's like, yeah, like I watched that and I'm pretty sure Chris Rock's uh, pretty busy and he's not watching Jada Pinkett uh, talk about. Her goofy kids who can't act. Uh, I just, I think the capper of it though was the uh, the footage of Will dancing and singing, getting jiggy with it, with his Oscar in hand at the after party, you know, and it's just like, it's just like, man, I think it's. If it's, Chris Rock hit him with a chair in the back of the head after that point, then I would believe it might have been a work. I think but, it, hey, I, I'm sending it out. Chris Rock, Will Smith, Natural Born Killers. If you want it, we got it. And and it it will be at DeFalco rates. So that's right. The, money, the money's good. They'll you know they could keep all the meet and greet money, no problem. <laughs> uh you know, the the final question here as we uh as we wrap up um the uh, next future shock is uh, coming up on April 9th. Uh, anyone uh, that you have uh, so far uh, signed on for the show? Yeah, Jay, Jay Bidal will be defending the No Limits title before uh, he gives that shot to Eli Everfly. So obviously Eli would take on the winner of that. Uh, Viva Van uh, returning again. She's trying to get ready for uh, a, a women's tournament or something to to crown a new champion. Uh, she'll be there. Uh, we got uh, some of the crew from Arizona. Uh, Wolfgang's going to be there as well as, uh, as Grizz Brody, uh, who we like. Uh, another guy who uh, came up, uh, good buddy of Juicy's, uh, Serza, who looked pretty strong. Uh, he might be coming up. But, you know, again, uh, Suavecitos might even have a tag match. So, uh, you know, we're going to see, you know. We got some really new young talent, you know, uh, one of our women wrestlers uh, will be making her debut. Uh, the guy who sold the most tickets at the last one who vows to sell more, Oliver Canaday, he will be uh, making another appearance and have his second match, you know, in his career. So, you know, we're looking at doing some good stuff, you know, and hopefully, uh uh Trisario is actually going to be on the show also so you know there's going to be a solid mix of 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 veteran talent as well as some of the youngsters so excellent and remember if you are a subscriber to fsw network 
you can see that show on April 9th and you can also, uh, you know, go back and watch the, uh, the day of reckoning that just happened, uh, this past Sunday. And again, like Joe mentioned, you can see, uh, you know, just tons of, of, uh, matches for, uh, a whole bunch of, uh, guys that, uh, you know, and love, uh, and, um, it's definitely worth the uh, six ninety nine a month. Um, yeah, if you're a, if you're a big Jay Vidal fan, you can you could watch him in his first character, Jaden Ridden, or some EDC <laughs> horrible character that he had. Oh, uh, you know, I can't wait until uh, he makes it. You sell the library, and uh, you know, it's it's like terrorizing and. Uh, yes. The best the of Jaden Ridden, the Jay Vidal story. <laughs> oh, man. Joe, any final words for uh, the listeners and viewers uh, this week? You know, if you can enjoy WrestleMania, do so. Uh, if Drew McIntyre doesn't beat Happy Corbin in eight seconds, then I'm rioting. Because if they get more time than Danielson and Sheamus got back at the other WrestleMania years ago, uh, that is a that is a true crime story right there. Well, you know, it, it's it's got to be the uh, the breakup of uh, of Happy and Madcap uh, seems to be in the writing. So, um, and then do what? Apparently, they feel that's going to be a really hot feud. I guess oh, I don't yeah. know. Man. So, the guy who lost to Drew is going to wrestle the other guy who lost to Drew, and now we're going to give a shit about the thing we never gave a shit about before. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, this Friday's uh, SmackDown, the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal, uh, or as I like to call it, the uh, 15 to 18 people who will soon be in the unemployment line. Because I can't believe it ain't even on WrestleMania. It's like you have two nights. Like how many matches are you going to have anyway? And, and I think they did that last year too, where they decided we'll throw it on, you know, on SmackDown. He's uh, at worst, put it on the pre-show. You would think, right? But I guess that's see, that's another weird thing that they're, you know, they're calling this now WrestleMania Raw, WrestleMania SmackDown, and I think that they're trying to, you know, put the because Ricochet is defending the IC belt on, you know, SmackDown as well, and. <laughs> That came out of nowhere against Los Lothorios, like, you know, a, a two-on-one handicap match or essentially, you know. Eh, at least they gave Ricochet a belt. Yeah, yeah. But the but the question is, even with the belt, why is he not at least on the main card? Because he has the belt. Because they have and, 13 belts and they don't have enough matches for all the belts. Well, and we're also seeing, you know uh, – when you have a Sammy Zayn going against Johnny Knoxville, Zayn lost the belt to Ricochet, so most likely we'll see Ricochet do some kind of interference since it's uh, you know an anything goes match. But you know, should be like, Johnny Knoxville and Ricochet against Sammy Zayn and somebody. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb. When you go to the BetOnline.eu, they have the odds for WrestleMania. Put the dough on Johnny Knoxville. He is going to win, baby. That's the mortgage closer that I'm giving it out. 1-800-JOE-WINS. If you call that number for just 
You can pay for that, or you could have listened here and got it for free. <laughs> well, there you go. There's the uh, the betting tip, and uh, everyone uh, actually, it's not a, not a bad bet. That's a smart bet right there. Um, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get your reactions next week. Uh, on, and that's what I I think that's the reaction we'll get is a big yawn on. Yeah. See what WrestleMania is doing to me. Uh, we'll just, you know, make sure you stay up Friday night for uh, for the Hall of Fame ceremony because that seems to be the uh, biggest thing uh, this weekend. To is see any, anybody inducted alive, Undertaker. It's like the Undertaker show and the Steiners. Everyone, Man, I want Scott Steiner to speak, baby. Everyone's interested on seeing Scott speak, so. <laughs> I think that that in itself is just worth the... Uh, Nobody the ever wanted to hear Rick Steiner speak, so it's got to be Scott. <laughs> you know, for as, for as amazingly impressive as Braun uh, looks, you know, in terms of his physicality, he got fucking Rick's mic skills, you know? He's, he's not that good. And it's a shame because I wish he got his uncle's mic skills of Rick's body. That would have been a fun. What's the odds Medeja is going to be? <laughs> is, she, is she inducted with him? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Charmel's getting inducted, so why why wouldn't they consider her? She was. All I can say about that is I like Booker T very much. Wonder, wonderful man. Oh, oh man alright everyone <laughs> until next week take care and we'll see you guys next time <laughs>